Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us on Black Geek Cinema Podcast. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. You and I met while I was working at BT Sport, but I was very familiar with your story and the work you do in the community. For those people who are unfamiliar, do you want to just fill them in as much as you can? Because it's quite a lot. Okay, sure. Um, well, I started a, a semi-professional, well, it wasn't semi-professional at the time, but I started a amateur football club in 2015. We are now a semi-professional football club with about 18 teams from men, women, boys and girls. And the whole point of starting the football club was to give youth a sense of direction and opportunities away from um, the, the road and street life um, that, got, uh, that I got caught up in. So I spent eight years in prison from 2007 to 15 and messed up my sort of, I would say, um, early early parts of my life, really. I spent most of my 20s in jail. That's when you're, you're sort of transitioning from a teenager to a man and sort of making um, steps for yourself in life. And I sort of messed that up. So I thought, you know what, by me coming out of prison, I was 28. Mm. At the time, I said, you know what, I'm going to try and do something to give back to the community and also help support myself and my family too. So we started a football club. And it's not, it's not like any other football club. Anyone can just go and start a team. But with us, there's a whole ethos of actually providing opportunities away from football, be it through music, be it through drama, be it through jobs, opportunities, education, whatever it is that we can try to help the young people do, uh, we try to do, basically. And which I absolutely love. And I've been a fan of your work in the community and everything else that you've been doing. You seem to have your hands in different pies. You've got the football, the media, you're an author. And I stumbled across Bob's and Taba. <laughs> um i was unaware can you do you, you know how much i love entaba like i randomly have cravings for it yeah. and, um for those people who are unfamiliar it's like grilled meat and it's so delicious but it's the congolese way uh, yeah. we have our way we have machomo um yeah and then you have where's, where's your background sorry ugandan uganda ah wanji <laughs> I love that so I will be putting in an order what made you start that you know what everyone's on to me I've, I've been so afraid to go and check the Bob's and Tabba DMs because oh. I've not checked I've not checked them for at least you're lucky I just discovered it because I would have been like <laughs> yo where is my I've, I've, I've not done it for like three months was uh, it kind of just really took off and I was just overwhelming mm. um, I must have put a picture up of uh, Tabba during the lockdown and like oh they got us in lockdown. I can't go to my mom's to go and get, get Taba because she makes it. And people, people, Congolese people in the comments were like, oh, yes, oh, I would love some of that. And then other people were like, what is it? What is it? I said, oh. I basically, oh, do people want some? It was like, yes. Yeah. So I said, I right, literally I told my mom, look, make 60 boxes. She made them and it sold out. And for like the first three or four months of lockdown, crazy, crazy. But after football season returned, and that's my <laughs> bread and butter so I was like you know let me take a, a step back but yeah so much people still ask me when are you going to bring it back when are you going to bring it back but we'll see i will put in an order first when you do bring it <laughs> no, back let me know because i absolutely love it um are you going to be doing any more writing uh, yes and no um so i wrote the two books uh when i was in uh, when i was in uh, when i was in prison mm. and um everyone should tell me all the time this should become drama <laughs> should made into a drama and I just didn't have capacity and time. Funnily enough, I can't talk about certain things, but um, the rights of my story have been bought by um, a, a, the organization and they're actually in the process of writing writing a story of a fictional character who came out of prison and started their own football club. I wonder who that is. Mm. But um, <laughs> but yeah, with, 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 with the writing, I, I loved it while I was in prison. It kept me focused. It kept me, yeah. but 
because I'm so busy, it's like, when am, I, when am I gonna have time to write? Literally, I've lost all the files um, that I had because the books are both available on Kindle. Oh, um, wow. they're, they're available just as ebooks, but I want to make them into actual um, hardbacks and uh, hard copies, basically. So I need someone, I need to commission someone who have the time to retype it all because I don't have the files anymore. So oh, that's, okay. I, I'm, yeah, so if I do that's that, I'm going to sort of, yeah, I'm going to try and relaunch the first two books as um, um, hard copies mm. and then see how that does and maybe do the third one. Oh, definitely you should. I think your story is very impressive. If you haven't, get to know. I appreciate it. So for those of you who'd like to follow you, do you want to share your socials? Yeah, sure. You can follow me on Bobby Kasanga 20 on Instagram. And then we've got the Hackneywick Football Club, which is the uh, semi-professional team. So that's Hackneywick FC. And my sort of blog uh, page, uh, meme page, uh, Big Eagle Media, also on Instagram. Awesome. Black Kink Cinema is all about celebrating black cinema. And you chose a film I recently just screened, The New Candyman, which I was really excited to watch this because I'm a huge, massive fan of the original. The new one stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen, directed by Nia Costa and produced by the legend himself, Jordan Peele. Before we get into the new one, let's talk about the urban legend of the original one. Yeah. Which I think in the black community just holds so much <laughs> weight. Why mm. do you think that is? I know, I know we want to talk about the, the old one, but just quickly, because on the new one, I kind of understood it a bit more, what his story kind of was. Oh, okay. So in the old one, I was just scared. I remember watching it as a kid. I was maybe eight or nine years old, I can't remember, and then I was afraid to go say Candyman by myself or in the window or in the mirror. I never actually ever done that, even to this day. It's like, oh, nope, I'm not doing that. Big, big of do- age, I'm not doing it. I'll get yeah. to you, and that's by accident. That's not intentional. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm, I mean, even now, I'm watching how many times I say it, to, to be fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just... Um, it was just a scary being, wasn't he? Like yeah. full of bees, and and I didn't I didn't quite remember what the whole storyline was until I we watched um, uh, part two. But yeah, he was a he was a, when you talk about sort of scary characters from back in the day, you mention uh, Freddy, you yes. mention um, Mike Myers, Mike Myers, and Candyman has to be mentioned too. So he, he was a frightening character. Mm. This is obviously the new one's obviously a sequel to the old one, and. I think the reason why maybe it holds so much weight with us is because like you, I watched it when I was too young. I don't know if I I had no business watching that. Definitely not in the cinemas. It came out in 92. (laughs) And I think I probably watched it in the mid nineties. Yeah. And like yourself, me and my brothers, my sisters, we could never say it. My brother was probably a bit more braver than the rest of (laughs) us. He's still alive, so you know. Um (laughs) but you know, for those of you who don't know, if you say his name five times in the mirror or a reflection, he'll come and kill you with his hook. So fun times all round. Without comparing them too much, how did you think the second one fared to the first one? I think it was it was just as scary, and I'm watching it as an older person, still okay. feeling quite scared at it. But this time, they've kind of made him into a bit of a hero. He's a bit of a hero that uh, because especially what's going on in terms of the world, especially in America, and sort of the, the racial tensions, it's kind of like you know he's doing wrong, but he's actually there for a cause. A bit like if I was to compare it to anything, which is this is a bit far far fetched. I'm, I'm saying, but. A bit like the evil Black Panther. 
you know he's scared. You know, he's, I mean, even look at the you look at the original story of the person it was. He was just a kid, just a man that's giving out candy in the area, and then he was accused of something that he didn't do. Yeah. And then it sort of resonates with a lot of sort of thing that's been going on in history, where a lot of young uh, black people were lynched and so on. Mm. So that that and we've seen what's been happening so far again with the whole George Floyd. So it, it really resonated with me a lot. And then yeah. as much as the character himself scared you towards the end you kind of realize why he was there and what he was needed for basically yeah i think that they, they do touch upon that in the new one and they use shadows uh near to cause the shadows to tell the story of the myth of um Candyman. i mm. did, i did like that aspect of it of trying to link in with everything that's going on the social aspect but i just felt it was a little bit too preachy okay the first one one was like they did touch up on gentrification the projects um being wrong, wrongly accused and actually you do sympathize with this villain even though he's going around killing people um you kind of understand his story so they do kind of carry that across but i felt like this one i wasn't scared at all like yeah which is weird for me because i'm a big <laughs> i get scared easily but the first one till this day has me shook i don't know tony todd did such an amazing job with his voice the outfit mm. <laughs> his character that one hand um that i think they kind of missed the mark there a little bit but but, but do you think because you're seeing it in the eyes of an adult now no. and as a as a kid you would be just be naturally more scared because when you you hear it as, as my, me and my partner's gonna as only me and, and my young daughter here now uh and it's not a thing that where you you fear uh, you have that sort of fear. But had they left me at home by myself as a nine or ten ten, yeah. ten year old, I'd be petrified. So I don't know. Maybe 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 it's because uh, you're a bit older. But yeah, I, I, I still find it was, it was quite eerie at times. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's because and then they tried to add a bit of the comedy aspect, which took away from it being like a chilling slasher movie, which yeah. we never had. We never had a black person one survive that long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a horror film, let alone be the villain and last that long as well. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why it will always be one of my favorite slasher movies. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for the second one because I was like, yes, finally. I mean, they could put it to rest now. I, for for example, I don't think there should be a Candyman creep per se. See, I feel like the way it ended, it, this felt like a prequel. This felt mm. like. This should have been the first one and then the, the original should have been the second and then they were leading up to a third one which would have just yeah. everything off because mm. i felt like it started going up again in the last 10 15 minutes of the film and i was yeah. like where was this energy <laughs> throughout i yeah. need this i, I mean I, I enjoyed it more because i know you said it's a bit preachy but I enjoyed it more because of the political statements I was making okay. inside of the film. So that's it wasn't so much of okay, we're gonna watch a scary movie. Yeah. It was more oh, I'm gonna watch a scary movie that has nostalgia with mm -hmm. me as a young person. But okay. also while I was there, I was quite pleasantly surprised it wasn't just about that, it's actually touching a real subject. So I guess that's yeah, why yeah. it kind of resonated with me. Do you think you resonated with it more because the main character, the protagonist, was the black man? And he was telling the story rather than in the first one, the main character is the the white lady, Helen. Yeah, I guess you, you, we, we, we can say that because it's, it's from the point of view of ourselves, basically, isn't it? And then it's not sort of thing that we're, oh, there's a black man going around trying to kill a, a white woman like it was in the, in, in, in the first one sort of thing. 
my memory serves me right. So at this point, you, you can actually see how we're sort of demonised, how we're sort of looked upon, and then therefore we see it every single time. I mean, last year during the pandemic, while I was <laughs> delivering Bob's Tabba, I got yeah. stuck six times in my car. Oh. And every time they had a new reason, one was, you, oh, you ain't got insurance? I had insurance. Another was, oh, uh, your car's not registered. It, it's, your car's registered in Darlington. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not. But even if it was registered in Darlington, what's the issue? Yeah. I don't need to be stopped. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. from Darlington and never travel to London. So, yeah. so that's why I guess um, it resonated with me because you, just, you see the tactics that, that the police use a lot. Mm. And, and of course, no one's saying uh, we need a candy man to go out there and have <laughs> sort of revenge. But we do need people to stand up for us, stand up for our culture, stand up for our people. So you know what? We don't believe in what you're what, what you're doing is right. And can we have some sort of form, uh, some reform, some change? Yeah. And Jordan Peele is infamous for putting in a reason why he's making a film, a political statement, also trying to educate people. And, I, and that's yeah. one of the things I absolutely love about him. And I'm always looking forward to his movies because it is tough. And to be fair, before that, there wasn't that many people doing it. And I feel like maybe the last couple of years, everyone's like, oh, maybe there is some injustice going on in the world just a little bit and we should we should highlight it the main characters the black characters are bougie they they have good jobs they're not they don't live in the projects do you feel that helps tell the story of it doesn't matter where you're from yeah because i think a lot of times uh, when we watch sort of black films it's always the gangster and oh i came from the hood it was hard and of course he was raised in the hood but he grew up, um, he's, they're very, they seem quite affluent in the film. So it's telling the story of the middle class um, black families, which is never quite, quite told in, 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 in cinema. Normally it's always about the struggle. Normally it's always about a single parent household, the mother struggling, the, the child goes out in the streets, the father's in prison. So it was a bit refreshing to see something like that. And of course, sister, she had a gay brother. So I guess it's them yes. trying to sort of kind of normalise that a bit to say, you know what, these things actually do happen and uh, we shouldn't have sort of stigma around that as well. Yeah, I was literally just about to go on to that because I felt like they tried to bring in a bit more humour in this one as well. And those two characters, him and his partner, were the ones to bring that and kind mm. of like lighten up the situation and the um, environment that they were in. Did you think that he played that well, that character well? Because I remember him from Misfits. I need to sit down and start watching more films and TV oh, shows okay. and series. And we're trying to do that at the moment. So at the moment, we just got into clickbait. I don't know if you've uh, been seeing that. So uh, on, I haven't yet. So uh, no spoilers for you. But be, <laughs> so it's a thing that we're trying to make extra effort to actually start watching things because I always hear people talking about different things. And mm. then it's like, I've just been so busy with the football club and with the music and with the drama. And so it's yeah. quite refreshing just going to the cinema the other day. So even you telling me now that, yeah, he was a misfit. Now you said that, I'm like, oh yeah. But it's something <laughs> I, I kind of should have known. No, I mean, he, he played a character convincingly enough. There were some real gruesome scenes in this one, I felt, in comparison to the first one, I felt like there was more of a build-up. Did you have any favourite scenes of your best, like, deaths? <laughs> best deaths? Um, first death was at the art gallery. I believe that was the, the, the first death. Yeah. I mean, even the way, the way that, that had happened, it was almost kind of like, wait, is this actually really happening? As you actually yeah. re returned. So um, I wasn't quite sure if it was a ghost or a real man at the time of doing the killings, uh, if that makes sense or not. Because when I realised, oh, wait, in the reflections, you can see there's no one there. They're just flinging around and someone's actually um, doing the killing. So it was pretty gruesome. I didn't think it would be uh, that gruesome, to be fair. Um, I guess the 
kids in the in the toilet is quite unfortunate. But then again, bullies. Uh, you guys want to be uh, bullies? There's a sort of things that uh, I guess that can happen. I wouldn't say I have a favorite killing, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. If you was to pick a favorite killing, uh, which was the the police officer who tried to frame uh, the woman at the end and say, you know what? These are sort of tactics that police will use and try to get you to admit to something that didn't clearly happen to, to, so they can get off. So, not that I'm ever in favor of any killings, but <laughs> no, no, that, you know what? <laughs> Just in the context of Candyman, maybe, maybe he deserved it, yeah, yeah. And going back to the mythology of Candyman, um, I think what made it frightening for me in the first one was like, no one was safe, so whether you and I or anybody said his name you were going to get killed and he was going to turn up and slash you to death. Whereas mm. I felt like they changed his character for the sequel and it was like, no black person was murdered. <laughs> and it was only, it was a little bit racist because it was like, mm. white people. Um, and I know Jordan Peele plays around with like race and stuff through his films, but I felt like by doing that, it took away the fear factor personally for me. Cause I was like, then I'm not that scared of saying, I'm sure I've said it five times now. But I don't make it tomorrow. <laughs> you lot know what happened. But All right, then you missed the party. Say, you missed the party next month. No! Don't say it for the party. I'm, no, I won't. I'm all ready. I'm all ready for it. I mean, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Because I only realised that after the toilet incident. I thought, okay, he's killed a few people. Then after, I'm like, okay, all of them are in the bathroom. Why is the black girl not being killed and she's just safe watching what everything's happened? Then I realized, okay, it's a thing that way he's kind of meant to be the hero for black people to sort of avenge. And yeah, you're right. In the, in that essence, I even told my missus because she was a little bit scared at the time. I look, look, it's all right. You're not killing any black, <laughs> you're not killing any black people. We're safe. We're safe. We've got the we've got the pass. But yeah, so the one guess, time. It, yeah, <laughs> I guess in, in in that essence is that you're right. Normally, in every film, the black person is dead within the first 25 minutes or so. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. There, there, there it happens. So, I guess he done it intentionally. Just mm-hmm. to make, Maybe it was him jokingly doing that, saying, look, let's, let's have a, a film where, actually, no black people get killed and it's the white people that get killed. So, maybe he done that intentionally to make a powerful impact on it. But you're right. It, it, it takes away the fear factor a little bit. I think the reason why you liked it and I agree with you is that they did modify the character and the storyline to kind of fit with our generation with what's going on um, in comparison to the first one. Of course, it would have been a bit lame if they just continued the same way. But I did, and I really liked him and I really love the actor as well. Like, I love Yaya and I just, I just wanted the last 15 minutes to be the, mo- the full film, if that makes sense. I mean, what, I mean, what would you change about it? I'll speed up at least about 45 minutes of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Coleman Domingo, I think is his name, uh, the guy who was like narrating and was telling the story. He's brilliant as well. And I felt like they didn't utilize him as much as they should have because he's a brilliant actor. He's got a really cool. Was he the one in the laundrette? Yeah, good actor. And I just felt like, oh, we could have used him a little bit more. When, I mean, that part, yeah, that part came as a bit of a shock to me. I was like, what's go- wait, wait a minute, hang on. Is he the bad guy? What's going on? Yeah. He kind of tells the story of why he needs there to be a candy man. But yeah, that came out of the blue for me somehow. But yeah. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, Tony Todd did such a good job in the first one that he got typecast and found it difficult to get other jobs because people are like, no, you're that scary guy with a hook. I mean, he, he made an appearance right at the end, didn't he? Yes, he did. And I guess that kind of happens when, um, when, you're, when you're sort of cast as a certain sort of character. And it sort of sticks with you, but I guess if you're an actor, 
Mm. You should be able to sort of change it up and maybe maybe apply for kind of different roles. But then again, we know how difficult it's been, uh, how difficult it was even to be a, a a black actor in those days. And so maybe because he was typecast for so long, it became mm. a bit late, too late for him. But you never know, there might be people watching that. So, you know, actually, let's yeah, bring them back yeah. on the fold. So, yeah. so earlier you were talking about the themes that they talk about in the film, like the projects and the, the social aspects, uh, racial equality, police brutality. Do you feel like they could have explored that angle a bit more? Or do you feel like it was just enough? I think it was enough because you don't, like I say, you don't overplay it where you take away from the film of it being a horror movie and it's more, it becomes a bit more, as you said earlier, preachy. I think they've done enough for me to say, you know what, I can see the political statement they're making about gentrification, about changes in the neighbourhood, about um, inequalities, police brutality and so on. But at the same time, making it enjoyable enough that you feel, oh, okay, oh, what's happening? What's going to happen now? Who's going to say this, that? But you're, you're right, as you said earlier, not having any black people killed sort of takes away from it. I, did, I didn't quite think of it earlier on, but as you, as you sort of said, that kind of reinforces it. It takes away the, the, takes away the fear factor. And um, they could have, yeah, they could have dwelled into that a bit more, the horror side of it a bit more. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. And would I want a Candyman free? Mm, that's the million possibly possibly just because it is Candyman and he's a black um character yeah. but that where'd you go from now really i did love the fact that they did incorporate a lot of the themes from the first one so they brought back the mother um who played the real actress who played anthony's mother uh vanessa williams and i thought that was brilliant um instead of just doing a reboot because there was nothing yeah. more i would hate than just a remake of the classic just leave it i can still watch the original. yeah and i think and, and i think that's that's that, that's the key aspect of it because like at the beginning i'm like okay Candyman 2 okay let's see and then mm. as i've not watched the the, the 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 last one for maybe 25 years the last time i watched the last yeah. one so, but yeah. it just started ringing bells when it started talking about certain things especially when it started telling the story i was like oh yeah oh yes that person yes that was a so then it's but yeah you're right because sometimes films just do a whole new reboot and you're like, yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing that they're making a new Fresh Prince. So I'm not sure, is that meant to be a comedy or is that meant to be um, drama? If, I mean, if it's a drama, I'm all for it. But if it's a comedy, mm, I'm not sure. But yeah, you're right. When this happens, a sequel, it's like a continuation of a story and it makes it better than just doing a whole yeah. new reboot. Please don't do a reboot of The Fresh Prince. Um, I just... We can still watch the old one. I'm begging whoever is in charge of that to not do well, it. I mean, Will Smith is in charge of it. Yeah. Will, he no! <laughs> no, Will! <laughs> he, he, announced, he announced the person's going to play him. So I'm not sure how it's going to work, but let's see. It's funny because I saw someone who did like um, a song and it was like a, a serious parody, should I say. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, yeah, and I thought that was cool. If they're kind of coming at it from that angle like you said, but if it's like a comedy, exactly the same format, then 100% no. And that's the thing, I know we're kind of going slightly off subject of Candyman, but I mean, I've seen um, a couple recently, I know I've seen uh, Jamie Foxx has got one, and someone else has got one. It's like, there's no more black comedies of back in the day, or sitcoms, like, there's no more like, even I think even in, in terms of um, British ones as well, you don't really see yeah. no, no one's making sitcoms anymore. No one's making sitcoms. And also, I think, I can't remember who I was speaking to about this, but I felt like in the 90s, we had so much of that, like a variation here, run over there. I say so much, enough, okay? And yeah. then I felt like 
it started kind of dying down and now we just don't have it at all and if we do it will come for like one season and then it's mm. cancelled and then it's yeah, do, you, do, you, do you just think that we've moved on from that or there is someone you need to make something that's going to be so banging that we're going to say yeah we're season two no i think it's about us becoming the creators do you yeah. get what i'm trying to say and yeah. not waiting for other people to help us or do the creating because they'll just keep pushing out the same dead narratives and mm. um, it will only happen until we're in that position that's why the michaelas and the Easters and the all these you know the jordan pills that are creating stuff i'm like yeah this is it's helping push push us forward i mean i mean what, what's your what's your own angle in terms of what you're doing at the moment i mean i mean this is brilliant sort of highlighting the black um sort of films and that but in regards to yourself what's your day-to-day Oh, look at you flipping the interview on me. <laughs> it's the interview in me. <laughs> so I work in telly uh, with Adam as well. He works in telly and I'm a production manager. So I okay, do the really? side of things. And I actually got into media because one, I'm obsessed with films, obsessed with media. And then once I was in it, I realised it's quite difficult, but also that I need to stay in it because a lot of my peers at this point have left <laughs> because it's quite racist if we're going to call it spade a spade and there's certain conversations and experiences that i know i've had people that i know i've had and they're just like i'm just changing careers altogether so i'm staying in it to keep the door open for my niece or nephew or to someone who needs some guidance to come through because i never had that as well i never really had someone to be like this is how it is so yeah, funnily enough, one of my uh, partner's friend, she used to be at Channel 4, she left to go and work at Netflix now, but mm. she used to run her own sort of um, cinema kind of show. It's called mm. Scene TV. But she said after, like, it's been a couple of years ago, she said, I, I just quit, I don't do it anymore. So it kind of resonates what you're saying right now in terms yeah. of this feel like there's so much blockage, I guess. So much. And you don't know it, it's hard. It's really, it's not like American racism. British racism is a lot different. It's very clever and yeah. <laughs> very under the radar you just got to catch it and so that's why the birth of you know black ink cinema it was more of like celebration and just not waiting for someone else to kind of celebrate how, how many films have you guys done we've screened about eight considering the bloody pandemic came and disturbed people's lives but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we screened eight so far two new releases and the rest of them old school classics and then obviously we started the podcast during the pandemic as well going back to Candyman, did you have a best and worst scene i think probably the best scene is um when they got the hole inside of the uh the the, the laundrette and it sort of right. pulled the suits out so that was a really good scene that i liked the worst scene i mean it kept on reoccurring Every time you had that itchy hand, it just made you feel like, ah, oh, like it did. Really I don't, I'm just even itching now. I can't, yeah. I mean, why didn't you just go to the hospital? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are you just there and you're at the dinner table scratching yourself? So, yeah, that... I do feel that that's black people for you, though. Mm. It's fine, it's fine. That will be all go away. Yeah, yeah we, we don't like to do anything until right <laughs> the minute you got like a big mole coming out the side of your head. Yeah, like, I need to go to the hospital now. You know what was also a funny scene, and it was very, I guess, a black moment. Was uh, I think the wife? Um, she was meant to go somewhere, and she saw that it was dark, and she went, "Nope." <laughs> and then closed that, the was, that literally summed <laughs> up the black experience. Like, so yeah. I felt like if they were going to do that, that we didn't get killed, 
was more of the sense of like we don't say his name five times because we know better mm. we don't go down dark alleyways we just avoid things that look a bit suspect do you know what i mean mm. so i think if they were going to do that then that would have been more funny and been more accurate because it's like no no yeah. we're not testing. even if we think it's rubbish we're not we're not going to mm. do it <laughs> no definitely yeah that, that was a funny moment to be fair and it's funny because he i don't know if that was reference to his new film that's coming out in 2022 he's got okay which is okay. like the blackest line yes. ever <laughs> so we've now got to the quick fire round where i just ask you a few questions and you just give me your answers we'll start off with an easy one your favorite black character in a horror movie now there's not that many of us so <laughs> this should be easy-ish I, uh, I, I guess it, it would be Candyman, wouldn't it? What about your favourite black villain? Oh, favourite black villain. Denzel Washington in Training Day. Mm, that's a good one. I would actually say Candyman. He was my favourite, just because <laughs> okay. I, I'm still scared. That's a good <laughs> one. Your favourite comed- black comedian? I'd like to say um, Chris Rock. Can I ask why? I just always found him funny. It was his voice as well. I just sort mm-hmm. of went loud and then even like the whole everybody hates Chris when that came out as well. So yeah, that that was amazing. So yeah, Chris Rock, yeah. Have you seen him live? I haven't, you know. I have not seen him live yet. I have I haven't either. I, I would like yeah. to <laughs> wants to donate tickets when yeah. he's got a show. To, to be fair, I've, I've gone to sort of different comedy nights and comedy and events, but I've never actually gone to someone's dedicated that. So but I thought you know I'm gonna start a British show. I'm going to Mo Gilligan's one in December. Oh my god, I'm, me and my sister's supposed to go to that. I'm looking yeah. forward to that one, definitely. What about your favourite black actor? Lawrence Fishburne. Ooh, that's a good shout. Yeah. What's your favourite Lawrence Fishburne film? Boys in the Hood. Okay. And if not, if not Boys in the Hood, maybe uh, in The Matrix, just because everyone I used to have my hair low, everyone told me, oh, you look a bit like Lawrence Fishburne. You know, I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> just tell them to call you Morpheus, it's fine. <laughs> to be fair, going back to my favourite black villain it has to be Lawrence Fishburne in what's love got to do with it when he plays Ike Turner because that mm. anxiety it took me yeah. a very long time to forgive him I know he was acting <laughs> but I just forgave him last year favorite black actress I mean it's just because she used to be my crush I guess but um I was a Gabrielle Union yeah I mean she's pretty hot she's stunning I mean, now she, I mean she's never she's never done sort of a, a film where I think that she's done any serious, serious acting. It's also mostly just sort of comedies and action movies. Mm. So it'd be good to ever to see her in something that, that's sort of Oscar nominated. Like so doing a more... dramatic role. Yeah, I'd like to see one of those roles just to change change it up a bit. Yeah. But for what she does, I guess, um, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed her, her movies. What about your favourite all-time black-led movie? It's between two. I'm going to push for the wood. Okay. I'm going to push for the wood. Mm-hmm. And if not the wood, life. Oh, love. We screen life, which okay. is one of my favorite, one of my favorite, my favorite Martin Lawrence film, mm. and one of my favorite Eddie movies as well. Like that yeah. conversation and the cast is just I heart them so much. So yeah, but they're both 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 films are sort of very heartwarming, feel good films. Uh, with the wood, it kind of takes you. I remember watching it until my late teens. It kind of takes you back to your teenage years when you were just sort of young and innocent and trying to find out what the world is. There's yeah. a bit of banter, there's a bit of drama in it in terms of the gangs and so on. And mm. just and, and and it's funny as well. So it, all the stuff yeah. that they go through just re- resonated. Although they're in out in America mm. as a young man growing up in the UK, I kind of felt the same kind of emotion. So that's like where I, I push for the wood on that. 
However, life, yeah, how people sort of stick together, even though they're going through tough, challenging times and they're, they're going to have laughter, they're going to make joy. I mean, when they're at, in the prison, just talking about the boom, boom room and just, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's that and such a lovely scene. And it actually makes you think of life in itself. And it's a very touching scene when it's shown over the years, people who are dying and passing away and sort of, mm. sort of kind of fade away. And it just makes you feel by real life that, oh, actually, one day we too are going to be on that journey as well. So, yeah, it's a, uh, I love that film. And it's sad they don't realise how much time has gone by mm. um, until Martin Lawrence's character looks at himself in the face and he's just like, damn, I look old. <laughs> so if you had to direct people to YouTube to entice them to watch the new Candyman, what scene would you direct them to and why? Mm. Yeah, I definitely think the, 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 the laundrette scene when you can hear someone, someone's in, in there and then the suite comes out and you can see someone walking towards her someone's seeing that will think what the hell is going on there that looks scary then we're going to find out more which you shouldn't you should run the other way but <laughs> human nature will be like what's going on there so I'll, I'll say that scene yeah yeah I would actually say the scene you mentioned earlier with the girls in the toilets when they're like bullying her yeah but that is it from me Bobby, you have been absolutely exceptional and I'm so happy to finally get you on the podcast. I love everything that you're doing and you have my absolute support. So if you ever need anything, just give me a holler. I uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And thank you for picking the newest film we've done on this podcast. No, it's amazing. I was I was thinking what because I've not watched a lot of films for ages, like I'm, I'm gonna get stuck here. I was trying to pick a film and not remember everything on this. I thought, no, this is called <laughs> for one that's still fresh in the mind, which I yeah. enjoy too. No, absolutely. But thank you so much for your time again. And we should I appreciate it. Thank you.